Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Friday, December 29th, 2017. We are reading from the big book. We are in Bill's story, page 10, the first paragraph. He talked for hours through three paragraphs, ending as far as I had gone and commenting on all. Today's readers are Judy S., Nancy H., readers of the text, Barbara E., Maura Z., and Janice P.M. The reference numbers for Thursday, December 28th, 7 a.m. meeting, 10847, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 10849. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Judy S. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, this is Judy S. from upstate New York, and here are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Judy S. And Nancy H. will read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. 
The 12 traditions. One, uh, common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the privilege of reading, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. In Bill's story, on page 10, the first paragraph, he talked for hours through three paragraphs ending as far as I had gone and commenting on all. Would Barbara E. please begin the reading for us? Thank you. This is Barbara E. in New Jersey. He talked for hours. Childhood memories rose before me. I could almost hear the sound of the creature's voice as I sat on still Sundays, way over there on the hillside. There was that preferred temperance pledge I'd never signed, my grandfather's good-natured contempt of some church folk and their doings, his insistence that the spheres really had their music, but his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen. His fearlessness as he spoke of these things just before he died. These recollections welled up from the past. They made me swallow hard. That wartime day in old Winchester Cathedral came back. I'd always believed in a power greater than myself. 
I had often wondered, I had often pondered the, these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are, for that means blind faith in a strange proposition that this universe originated in a cipher and aimlessly rushes nowhere. My intellectual heroes, the chemists, the astronomers, even the evolutionists, suggested vast laws and forces at work. Despite contrary indications, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. How could there be so much of precise and immutable law and no intelligence? I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation, but that was as far as I had gone. Well, powerful stuff. Today is actually my 73rd birthday, and I feel better today than when I walked into my first OA meeting 20 years ago. Why? 20 years ago, I was hopeless, miserable, and broken. I've been able to lose weight in the short term, but I couldn't break the cycle of food addiction and unhealthy food choices and behaviors. Long-term calorie restriction would send signals to my brain that triggered a craving for food, making diets for me destined to fail. I was so tired of isolating myself from the joys of life. But when I came into OA, I heard I needed God and prayers that had nothing to do with my food issues or my religious beliefs. Someone said, why don't you attend three meetings and if you still don't feel you're at home here, they'd refund my misery. Someone else suggested that I try substituting the word spiritual experience for a religious one and higher power or spirit of the universe for God. I wasn't an atheist, just like Bill. I couldn't believe this world had originated in a cipher for no important reason. It couldn't mean zero, nothing. But I didn't feel really comfortable with all the God references I heard. I did hear the serenity prayer and what was then called Roseanne's prayer. And those prayers appealed to me. I was intrigued. I liked that I heard this program was ident- had ident- an identification for my problem, the solution, and a practical program of action to achieve my goals. I did want the promises I read about on page 83 and 84 in the big book. I desperately needed, wanted serenity and peace. I wanted to be self-centered. I wanted to be a better wife, mother, daughter, and friend. But would I be willing to admit my powerless and give up the notion I was in control? But again, folks, I was miserable, frightened, obese, angry at myself and the world. But that was 20 years ago. Today, I know that I have a choice. I can choose to be hopeful and act from faith, because faith is everything for me now, and enjoy life rather than just survive. I recently saw a cartoon with a little boy holding a blue balloon. To the left of the balloon were the words, you know why it's so hard to be happy? And to the right of the balloon were the words, we refuse to let go of the things that make us sad. 
Let go, my brothers and sisters. Embrace this beautiful program. It feels so wonderful. It works, and it works for me because I have to do the 12 steps religiously every single day. And I am grateful to you and to everyone on uh, January's Team Friday that went along with me. Thank you, Liness, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. The floor is now open for sharing on what we just read, and somebody is unmuted, so if you could uh, check your phones, please. please J- Janice P.M.? Please say your name. Reva P. Janice P.M.? Yeah, Janice, I got you. Thank you. Thank you. Arlen G. Madam. Sage S. Nancy H. Okay, sorry, there's a lot of, uh, somebody's unmuted and shuffling papers, so I was having trouble hearing over that, but I'll tell you who I do have, and we'll pick up people on the next round. I have Janice PM, Reva P, Harlan G, Paige S, Matt M, and Nancy H. So, Janice, would you like to start us off, please? Janice PM, we don't hear you. Sorry. Good morning. Thank you, Lynn S. And um, if you could please time me, I'd appreciate that. Um, My name is Janice PM, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, you know, I have a lot of identification with this, um, with these paragraphs, these first three paragraphs, because, all right, like Bill, um, you know, I knew I was powerless, you know, I, I really did. That's, I mean, I knew that before I came in here, otherwise I wouldn't even come in here decades ago. Why would I even bother coming to OA? I knew I had a problem. And like Bill, he knows about the problem because Dr. Silkworth told him. However, he's struggling here mentally. He's on a seesaw. Um, He's between step one and step two. And boy, you know, unlike Bill, I came in and it said, oh, step two, you know, willing to believe in a power greater than myself. And I thought I was cocky. I had a God in my life. I was not an atheist, just like Bill is not an atheist. He believed in a God, but he just didn't believe like an agnostic that it would do anything for him. So he's struggling. He's struggling with this idea. He's in denial, He's, uh, which is a big thing, and, and I was too. I thought, why can't I get this? I have a God. I go to church. Um, but you see... He was, he was in contempt. He was struggling with this in his mind. He knew. But he said here, his insistence that the spheres really had their music, but his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen. His, see, he was contempt against that. He didn't want to, him telling him how to believe or whatever. Um, but of course, you know, you we're going to see. So he's up, he's down. He's open-minded, and then he's closed-minded. This is how he's struggling. And a lot of us, even though I believed and I, was, I wasn't willing to um, believe because I was so self-centered, 
and my my will was so run riot that I'm still going to find a way. And uh, yeah, perhaps hopeless, but I still wanted to find my way. I didn't want to believe. I wasn't willing to believe that there would be that power that I believed in that could help me with this problem of food. So, you know, this, this is where he is. He's struggling. He's in denial. Um, he's in the peace. process. Sure. Thank you so much. He's in the process before he becomes, he gets to step two. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice PM. Reva P., it's your turn, followed by Harlan G. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, how I relate to this is, um, you know, when I first heard all the God words and concepts um, at the first couple of meetings I went to, um, it was a real turnoff. Um, but what I relate to here is that at an intellectual level, you know, Bill always believed in something, some kind of God, and I did too. But what I never had, I never even knew was possible, was to apply um, and incorporate this um, concept of a higher power into the practical logistics of my everyday life. You know, first it was with the food um, to get and stay abstinent. But then it's like with every single aspect of my life, I never in my wildest dreams um, knew what it would be like to apply a concept of, you know, a higher power um, in every facet of my life. And, you know, this need for a higher power, um, same thing. I didn't really do it because it was a great idea. I did it because I was desperate. So in this paragraph, to me, it, see, it shows me how Bill's mind is starting to open. And my mind started to open and reconsider things that I would normally you know, shut my mind off of because I was dying, because I was desperate, because I had tried everything I could and it didn't work. Um, so you know, this transition from me running the show and being on self-will run riot and letting God run the show comes out of making a real mess and being desperate. And I just spent a week with family in Montreal and my kids are home. And that's how practical God is. Do I go? Do I not go? Do I say this? Do I not say this? Do I do this? Do I not do this? Um, and I only get access, you know, like a step 11 only comes at step 11. Here he's transitioning between one and two. I only get access to that power if I do all the steps in between and do the work. And it's such a more peaceful way to live. It is so much, um, it is so much more peaceful and I'm just so grateful. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Harlan G., it's your turn, and Paige S., you'll be next. Thank you, Lynn, and thank you to Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. Let's take a look at what's happening here. It's pretty amazing. Bill, who has been drunk his entire adult life, is looking at Ebby Thatcher. Ebby is sober. Bill is drunk. It's late November 1934. Ebby is presenting to Bill a spiritual solution to his problem of alcoholism, the problem of alcoholism being the twist of the mind and the allergy of the body. 
Bill has been hospitalized twice. He has not found respite from this illness. He's being presented with this solution and he doesn't like what he's hearing. Certainly there's got to be a more complicated way. Certainly there's got to be a pill or there's got to be a way I can stand on my head. But no, that's not what he's being presented. He is hopeless. He looks at this God solution and he says, wait a minute, I, my grandfather's good nature of contempt is some church folk and they're doing his insistence that the spheres really have their music, but his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen, God, as you understand God, his fearlessness as he spoke of these things just before he died, these recollections welled up from the past that made me swallow, they made me swallow hard. So in other words, the, the root, the germination, the root of God as you understand God is starting to take place in Bill's mind, but it won't be until next week on page 12 that Ebby is actually going to say the words, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Now he thinks about that old wartime day in Winchester Cathedral. What happened on that day? What did he see? Let's, let's take a look at it again. He is seeing the grave of a soldier. Here lies a Hampshire grenadier who caught his death drinking cold small beer. A good soldier is near forgot whether he died by musket or by pot. He is seeing the grave of a soldier who did not die in battle, but died because he drank too much beer. The pot has to do with beer consumption, not marijuana. And the pot is how they drank beer. So this really hit Bill. Bill's father was an alcoholic. Bill's grandfather on the Wilson side was an alcoholic. Bill's father's alcoholism blew apart their family. And he's been affected by this. And now in the, in the last paragraph we looked at, he says he had always believed in a power greater than himself. This universe originated, a cipher is a zero, a cipher is an empty set, and the emotionally rushes nowhere. He knows that there is a power, a spirit of the universe. Notice that that's capitalized. He wants to convey that this is the power greater than himself, who knew neither time nor limitation, but that as far as I had gone. I want to depart for just a second here from talking about the reading and thank every one of you and God. And this fellowship today is 19 years that I have been free. On December the 29th, 1998, I put down the food and I've not picked it up since. Through divorce, through a child that's alienated from me completely, through all the disappointments I've had, I've not found it necessary to pick up food. I didn't do that by myself. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for making this day possible. 19 years. I never thought I could get 19 minutes. I'm grateful beyond what my vocabulary can express to each and every one of you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Sage S., it's your turn, followed by Matt M. Hi, my name is Sage S. Uh, from New York. I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, regarding the reading, um, I only have a few days, uh, and I'm very happy to be doing um, Vision for You. I just started uh, coming back from a relapse. I've been in OA uh, for many years, and 
um, unable to get abstinent for the last few years with much time. So my, my mind isn't, <laughs> my mind isn't as keen as the rest of you all's. Um, but I could say that um, in the, with the sentence, I always had believed in a power greater than myself. I had often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are for that means blind faith in the strange proposition that this universe originated in a cipher and aimlessly rushes nowhere. You know, what, I, what I've learned in the last few years about my higher power is that when I came, came into the program, you know, the power greater than myself was um, there, um, but I wouldn't reach out to the power greater than myself so much because I didn't want to bother him. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, so my HP is a different person to me in these days, and um, it only makes sense uh, that compulsive overeaters and addicts should um, turn to a power greater than ourselves because we try to do it our own way. So I guess I could just say that about the reading and I don't, I don't know much more. I'll be listening in the next few days. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Sage S. Matt M., it's your turn, followed by Nancy H. Thank you. This is Matt M., compulsive over here from New Jersey. Good morning, everyone. Uh, the temper, proper temperance pledge that he never took his grandfather was an alcoholic, he was a good-natured man, attended some church folk, he had their doings of the spheres, had their music, but he said he refused to believe in, in God of his own understanding. Um, and, he, and Bill was never really an atheist. I'm not an atheist myself. I don't believe that the world comes from nothing and goes to nothing. I do believe there is something after we die, we pass away. There is something out there after death. There is life after death. And um, I sometimes at him try to act really haughty and act like I was an atheist because I want to fit in with people. I try to twist my behavior and my, my, and my personality to fit others' behavior. And that also kept me in the food as well. I didn't know who I really was. I just ate my way through life, not really caring. Going, just going out with certain, certain types of people just because there was food at the other end of the rainbow. And that's crazy. You know, that's, and he was doing the same thing. He was getting involved with people. He shouldn't be getting involved. He was getting rid of his friends that he shouldn't have. He was isolating himself. Now he's starting to see a solution. Starting to see a solution. You see, Abby Thatcher was sober, so he's never seen him like that before. Because that was one of his drinking buddies. He used to go all over the place together and, and get drunk. So he's trying to kind of turns with his old beliefs and some new beliefs that are trying to get past his uh, sense of denial. Um, and it's really weird seeing his starting start to see the change in him, the shift from being hopeless. He's starting to have a little hope, but he's again, he's he's struggling with uh, reconciling his own beliefs with uh, the new beliefs that are trying to come through. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Matt M. And Nancy H., it's your turn. Um, Hi. This is, okay, it must be the other Nancy H. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. That's fine. You take it. I'm not feeling so great today. <laughs> oh, Okay. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. I was looking at this um, Prophet Temperance pledge that he never took, and, you know, he didn't want to abstain from alcohol. The grandfather was an alcoholic, um, and now here's Bill thinking about um, he's starting to swallow hard, which means to me that he's softening a little bit about a higher power. And the thing is that Abby didn't... force it down his throat, so I think it gave him a chance to think on his own. Um, then uh, I had, myself, had always believed in a power greater than myself, and I I believed in God, so that I went a little bit further than that, 
but then I stopped growing spiritually, and I stopped um, thinking that my higher power could help me with the food. And even to this day, I have a hard time remembering to bring God into everything. And so um, in this case, I believe that he really is starting to think about a higher power, because as he says, he's not an atheist, but he's uh, he's on the ver- on the fence. So he knows there's something out there, and he's going to go a little further and probably enlarge on his spiritual life, obviously. And that was what, um, as far as he had gone and as far as I had gone, with the uh, God idea of helping me with the food. So with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy H. For those of us just coming on the line, we're in Bill's story, page 10, the first paragraph. He talked for hours through three paragraphs ending as far as I had gone and commenting on all. And if you'd like to share, if you could please say your name just once, that helps me hear everybody. Vasa. Like Vasa. Oh. Larry. Larry. Okay, I'll tell you who I heard and I missed somebody. I've got Vasa O, Amy G, Larry K, Nessa R. I missed somebody between Vasa and Julie M. Julie M. Okay, let's go with that lineup. I've got Vasa O, Julie M, Amy G. Larry K and Nessa R. Vasa, could you start us off, please? Yes. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Lynn, as for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And uh, I can relate with Bill's story right from the beginning how Abby went to visit, he got a visit from Abby. And right away I said, That's right, that's me. I got a visit from my, my, my friend. Her name was Diane, and she's still in my life after many, many years. And uh, and exactly that's what happened to me. She walked through the kitchen door, surprisingly, and came in. And uh, I, you know, she was, I hadn't seen her for a while, and she looked wonderful. And she was overweight like me uh, over the years. And uh, I wanted to know. I wanted to know what happened with her. She had the glossy eyes, and and she told me all about it, you know, all about Overeaters Anonymous. I will never, never be so grateful. She was like an angel that God sent her to me. And uh, I had a lot of confusion about God myself. I grew up in a communist country for my first 15 years of my life, and my father was a priest, so, you know, here I go to church, and they teach us there's no God, you know. We're not supposed to believe in God, and my father goes to church, and we go to church. And, you know, I somehow I felt like I needed to believe my my teachers, you know. And church was very, they, peace priests were mocked in those years. They were spit on, and, you know, and um, I didn't want any part of that either. But anyways... I was brought to Overeaters Anonymous in October 26, 1985, and I knew I was uh, powerless over the food addiction because I tried to put it down for many, many, many years. I could put it down, but I could never keep it down, and I I had the gift. I was desperate. I really was so, so desperate, and um, 
my first meetings meeting was to me was like answer to my problem. I was so excited to hear about the solution because I tried to find the solution for so many years. And uh, I, my sponsors, my sponsors have asked, "This is the only way. It's your choice. If you want to do this, you do it. If you don't, nobody's forcing you. Nobody. It's 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 you. You know. And I was willing and I was ready because I didn't want to die. If I did continue going, what I was doing really, you know, I was beginning to develop all kinds of physical problems. So um, for the first, Time, I'll wrap it up. I haven't ha- I haven't said uh, that uh, my resolution is going to be New Year's Eve to start my new diet for about 32 years. It's by the grace of God. I haven't said I, I this is that this is that became a new life for me. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Julie M. It's your turn, followed by Amy G. Hi. Good morning. This is Julie M. Recovered in Colorado. Thank you for your service. Um, I would like to comment on the word power and the phrase spirit of the universe. Because when I came in, the word God really turned me off. And so the fact that there are so many alternative ways to name God in this book um, gives me a way in that if it just said God every time, would have been a lot harder for me. Um, you know, I, I, I knew that I was hopeless, that I couldn't do it on my own. I, I figured that one out pretty quickly because I spent my whole life dieting and trying every other thing that could work possibly to, to keep the weight off. And so I knew that, you know, something other than myself, I had to, I had to, to give it over to something else. But the idea of God just, I couldn't stomach it. And for the longest time, the only thing I could say was Mother Nature. And I said HP for a while. I couldn't even say higher power. Um, now I can say God. And I know that that word for me may not mean exactly the same as what it means to somebody else, but it means a power greater than myself that when I do bring that into my life, when I do lean into that, whether it's Mother Nature, higher power, the wind through the trees, whatever it may be, I get freedom and I get relief and I, a sense of peace comes over me. And in the beginning, I just used to say the first three steps out loud before I would put anything in my mouth. And somehow bringing God in even in that way would just give me enough peace and enough calm and enough knowing that I wasn't in charge and that I could just let it go. Um, So it was very gradual for me, but I just so appreciate the spirit of the universe and all the other ways that God has named in this book because it gives me access. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Julie M. Amy G., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you for your service, and thanks for an awesome meeting, everyone. They made me swallow hard. You know, that's like an expression, or I guess you call it an idiom, that uh, for um, hard to believe. And like Bill, I walked into my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting, and boy, I found that whole God thing hard to believe, like the prior person sharing. As a matter of fact, when they 
mentioned the word God, I got up in the middle of the meeting and I left. And what was so beautiful about this fellowship, this life-saving fellowship that, you know, someone in whom the problem had been solved followed me out of the meeting. And they didn't try to convince me about God or, you know, take away my agnosticism. They handed me the pamphlet with the 15 questions on it, are you a compulsive overeater? And to me, that person was my God with skin on because what it did convince me is that I was a compulsive overeater and that my way was not working. And that when I looked at you all and whom the problem had been solved, I wanted what you had. That's what I wanted because I knew, like others have shared, that I was powerless. I couldn't stop putting my binge foods in my mouth. And if we go to the chapter, How It Works, it talks about it. It says, you know, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. You know, those ide- old ideas, that agnosticism, what I thought about God at that point. You know, I was trying to perceive religion when it was just spirituality. But I didn't even need to tackle all of that at the beginning. And the beauty is, again, the fellowship comes to the fore and says, look, you don't need to believe all of that. The big book says it right here. It's about willingness and being willing to let go of everything I thought I knew about food, about, about God, and just be willing to follow instructions and be willing to let someone tell me what to do as I work through the steps. Put the food down and work through the steps. Make a choice. Choose to surrender to what and, and who the problem had been solved. And that's all I needed to get a start it was to admit that powerlessness, to cross the bridge from step one to step two. And then it continued to evolve as I worked through the steps, that spirituality, that growth into a higher power. But I didn't need to tackle it all, but I did in the beginning, but I did need to choose to surrender and be willing to go to any length. And just like Bill, he swallowed hard, but he was willing to listen. He was desperate, as was I, that gift of desperation. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Larry K., it's your turn, followed by Nessa R. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks so much. This is Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, the, um, yeah, don't talk to me about God, you pious, you know, folks. That's, that's how I really felt. Um, now I would be, I would be respectful. I wouldn't say that, but that's, that's the sentiment. That's what I felt in my misery. I was, I was miserable in my disease. And the last thing I wanted to hear from some sort of evangelist was some notion of God. I don't want to hear it. And that was my false pride. Now, I'm telling you, I don't know what it's for you, but that was my false pride. I can say that now. Because what was it that just so angered me? You could be the nicest person in the world, but at the moment you talk about God, I felt a, I would cringe and feel a, a bit of anger. That was my pride. I know that today. You know, in 1960, um, Bill, he was speaking at a a convention in Long Beach, California, uh, an AA convention, and and he wrote a dedication in an AA book that that he gave to Ebby Thatcher. And, And here's what he said. He said, Dear Ebby, no day passes that I do not remember 
that you brought me the message that saved me. And only God knows how many more in affection Bill. You know, if you connect the dots, I mean, if I connect the dots, I connect the dots back to, back to Abby. Because if Abby hadn't carried the message to Bill, you know, then Bill wouldn't have gotten well and, and he wouldn't have written the book. And, you know, so, I mean, really for me today, I know that I didn't do this for myself. I know that, that God did this for me. And, I, and I'm grateful for what God did for me. I, I worked some steps. Someone carried the message to me. Someone cracked open this big book for me. And I try to do the same for others, but I'm not responsible for their willingness to put their, their needle down, their food down, right? That, that's an inside job. When the desperation is great enough, Bill put it down and picked up the spiritual toolkit, laid at his feet. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Nessa R., it's your turn. Hello? Nessa R., it's your turn. Lynn, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Thanks. It's Nessa Arsburn. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm having. Is there other people who would like to share at this time? I guess we've lost Nessa R. Lisa B. Deb W. Monica T. Karen. Diane B. I've got Lisa B, Deb W, Ms. Karen, and Monica T. So let's go with these four. I've got Lisa B, Deb W, Karen, and Monica T. Let's start with that, and we'll see where we go from there. Good morning. This is Lisa B. Can you hear me okay? Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you, and thanks for your service. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. There's so much here that jumps out for me. Um, the first thing that came to my mind is when it says he talked for hours, and I, you know, I just prayed this morning after we read this, like, how can I identify? How can I be useful? What can I share? You know, what can I see from this? And what came to me was um, talking with my who was the person that was to become my sponsor, my big book guide. Um, when I introduced myself as a new person, she's one of the people that called me to welcome me, and she was not available to be my sponsor, my big book guide, but I would call her weekly um, for about a month and a half until um, I was ready to do the work and until miraculously she was available. So that's what came to me, is just her availability and her service by sharing with me um, what happened to her and the transformation and giving me special editions to listen to, um, that's what came to me. The other thing that really jumps to my mind is, you know, that depending on my higher power today, I know is the way of strength. But for many, many, many years, many years, I gave human qualities to God and I gave God-like qualities to people. And through working the steps, getting abstinent, 
or getting abstinent first and then working the steps, you know, that was able to change. I didn't believe that God was interested in me, my higher power. I thought bigger topics like, you know, world hunger and earthquakes you know, tidal waves and wars, you know, were more important. But, you know, I have to realize that God is outside of time and space and that it's beyond my comprehension, the vastness of this infinite intelligence. And I began to see that I really do matter. In fact, that I am part of my higher power, you know, Um, and I can rest. And today I can rest and abide daily and sometimes throughout the day, many, many times throughout today in that place of being free from time or limitation by really resting in my higher power. And then that fear prayer, because so much of everything in life to me, you know, goes back to fear. Um, I learned through working these steps that I can ask God to demonstrate through me. I can be a vessel by letting God demonstrate through me what God can do, not what I can do. And also I can ask God to remove my fear and and, uh, dishonesties and blocks and direct my attention to what God would have me be. You know, and just a whole different way of living. But it started with talking with someone that was recovered who was so generous and kind with her time. And um, now I I try to, you know, thank her by doing the same with others. But it really was that talk with hours spent out over time before she became my guide. So with that, I pass. And thank you, Lisa B. Deb W., it's your turn, followed by Monica T., Good morning. This is Deb W. Recovered in Oklahoma. And yeah, this this these paragraphs have so much, so much uh, packed into them. And, you know, it's funny that when I started reading the big book and really um, came in the program and started trying to work the program, I um, that I would have to go back to um, Bill offering or introducing Now About God. And, uh, you know, for Bill and for me, that is the power that's greater than me um, that um, I choose to uh, call. And yet, back when I was working this program, it it called me to go back to my childhood understanding or misunderstanding or, you know, bad history or whatever it was. It caused me to go back to different places in my life where I had a messed up human understanding of the purpose of this power greater than me and how it related to me. And for me, it was my human um, problem with it. It wasn't that God or the power greater than me had a problem. It was me having a broken relationship or a no relationship at all or not understanding how it access how to access this power greater than me and that in this book bill is saying why we need a power greater than us and you know we can choose to call it god or not call it god it still works and yet for me what the understanding i had of god the way i was using god at the time uh was not uh was was not you know, giving God the fully the full um, credit. It was my human decision on what whether God failed or a God worked or God existed or whatever. But what I learned through my weakness, which is my disease, my my um, inability to uh, 
conquer this thing was that there is a power that is inside of me that can connect to the higher, greater power. And we all have spiritual awakenings if we watch for them. And that power, for me, uh, resolved something that I could never do, something that was totally out of control, something that was way beyond my human abilities. And and the resistance is that I don't want to give in to something like that. I want to be able to control it. I want to be able to take my human mind and decide if it exists or doesn't exist, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, that is uh, what this big book did is it corrected. It, it gave me a real meaning of God a real meaning and understanding of the power greater than me, of the spiritual. Yeah, I learned that religion was separate from this, but it gave me the ability to have a personal relationship with God. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Deb W. Monica T., it's your turn, followed by Karen. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in Bill's story, and uh, Bill has done his step one. You know, he's finally realized he's powerless, you know. Alcohol was my master. It's got him. He's, he's, uh, he's in a pickle here. He's in a corner. And Ebby shows up, and he's sober. And Ebby's a good old-time friend of, of, of Bill's. They go way, way, way back, and they've done some mighty serious drinking together. And Ebby is a real alcoholic. And Ebby is different. So we're seeing here Bill's process of step two. You know, step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And Bill's thinking about all of this. You know, Dr. Silkworth gave Bill the information of the physical and mental part of his disease of alcoholism. And here's Ebby giving him a spiritual solution. And he's going, oh, boy. And just like him, boy, that made the old hair stand up on my neck. You know, you're going to tell me religion here, but it's not religion. It's spirituality. And he's thinking this process here. So in the next couple of pages here, we're going to see this process that Bill's, just somebody unmuted, making lots of noises. This process is opening Bill's eyes to where he's been. And he's seeing here that, you know, his spiritual life had never been developed. He's thinking about, you know, he was raised by his grandfather, and his grandfather didn't believe in the religion, but he was spiritual, and he's thinking about all this, and that his grandfather really believed there was something. And he talks about that wartime day in Winchester Cathedral. He comes back again. He had a spiritual experience there that day. He doesn't go into a bunch of, of information about it, but three times in this chapter, he's going to mention that experience. It made quite an impression on him. And so we're seeing him going through this process of thinking where he's been and what's going on. And, you know, I'm screwed. I am totally 100% powerless over this disease. I continue to do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I want to do with this, with my food, with my eating and everything. I am powerless. I need something that's going to help me. And he's realizing this too. Nothing is working. Absolutely nothing. Now, I'm not too sure about this religious spiritual thing here you're telling me. 
And I always like to share, you know, that's okay. If that's where you're at right now, it's okay because the steps are going to help you develop some type of relationship with a power greater than you. And that's what happened for me. And so don't be discouraged. Just continue the process. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. And Karen, it's your turn. If you could give us the initial of your last name, please. Did I hear a Karen? Maybe not. We've got time for one more two-minute share if somebody would like to take that. Oh, Karen B. from Iowa. There you are, Karen. Yeah, please go ahead. Okay. Um, first of all, I want to say good morning and um, thanks to this line. It's really been beneficial for me. Um, <clears throat> I love the fact that I finally admitted complete defeat. And um, because of that, I feel like I have been really free from the food since January of this year. And... Um, being willing to ask someone to help. I'm, I'm just so grateful that someone took me through this process, introduced me to vision for you, because every morning it's like I can't, um, I am powerless, but I'm not helpless. And so I have some tools today, and they are the steps. And um, just really grateful for this line. Um, God can, and I'm going to let him. And I, I write that down every single morning, um, you know, before I even have my coffee as a reminder that I am powerless over this disease. However, um, I do have some tools and I'm just so grateful to be a part of this community because it has really given me um, so much hope for the future and my life. I am not thinking about food. I'm not obsessing about food. I'm just doing the next right thing. And it really started when I was willing to take some good orderly direction like someone mentioned earlier and just, you know, be willing to do what people do to get what they have. So again, thank you and um, have a great day, everyone. I'll pass. Thank you, Karen. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. And thank you to Team Friday, Judy S., Nancy H., Barbara E., Maura Z., Janice PM, and Lauren N. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Friday, December 29, 2017, is 10851. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Maura Z please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Lynn. Maura Z here. Grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. 
May God bless you and keep you until then.